It's good to see you all. Praise God. I am very, very full this morning with uh, the presence of God. What a weekend we had, and I'll, I'm going to share some more about what happened uh, this weekend and what I believe God has got planned for this body and for the South that is coming this year. We had some stuff released over uh, done this past weekend with Lou Engel that is just amazing. But I want to just, uh, I, I love what Brian shared here this morning. This, uh, I think there's some deep significance uh, in this drawing, this picture of, first of all, there were human preparations. This is the hand of God dropping the seeds, but the old had to be cut away, and the grooming of that had to be, oh, there you go, thank you, let there be light, and there was. But there had to be preparation by us in the human natural realm. There was the cutting away of the old, the, the preparation of the soil, but it's the hand of God that drops the seeds. And I believe the Lord's planting seeds in your life this morning. Pastor Willie has no idea. We don't compare. I never tell anybody what to preach or share. We just let the Holy Spirit lead it. I think we don't dictate what comes in the worship and how the Lord puts all of the pieces together. It's such an amazing work of the Holy Spirit. And so you're going to see some of the things I'm about to share dovetail significantly with what Pastor Willie also shared as far as communion in the preparation and positioning but it is the preparation that we make. In fact, it is in this repentance, it is the more that we this year, starting this year, that's why I wanted to start communion before we did anything else this morning, enter into worship, do communion, the more you are emptied of self and the world, the greater you're gonna be positioned to be filled by him. There's also tremendous warning that's coming out of this year and uh, being prepared and positioned as individuals, as a body of believers, as family members because there's gonna be a tremendous shaking as well. And so I'm just uh, excited that we're in this place that uh, the Lord has positioned us. So let's pray. Would you stand with me? Let's just pray together. and Let's close our eyes and just, one, we wanna say thank you. Everything, all good gifts, come down from the Father of lights. We woke up this morning and we knew who we were. We knew where we were going. We had a place. Many of the world is waking up this morning in not such a great place. But you told us that we were citizens of the kingdom. We're not of this world. And therefore, you told us in, in Matthew 6.33, seek, seek first the kingdom. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and everything that we need would be added to us. See the king, seeking. See the king this year, God. That his presence, all that Michael and Aaron shared this morning about his presence and welcoming and desire, that flow of the positioning of our hearts to be in his presence. And Pastor Kenny said, come into the presence ushering in the presence. God, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would just empty us of all the stuff that keeps us, the song and the lyrics we sang, everything that keeps us from seeing you, the world and all of the competition and pressures of life and all the things we think we need that we don't need. So Holy Spirit, come and have your way among us here. Lord, as we have put all the stuff behind us of last year, the failures, the, the woulda, coulda, shouldas. You said those who are in Christ Jesus, there is no condemnation. In Romans 8, 1, there is no condemning in Christ. There's no shame and there's no guilt because the royal blood has answered all the accusations of the enemy. And when we come in 1 John 1, 9 and ask him, confessing our sins, then he is faithful to forgive us. So we refuse now to make you pay a second time, Lord, for anything that we've already confessed and dealt with. The world may have an accusation and a list and a record, but you do not. So I ask you now to position us in such a way that we are in a place emptied out of self and all position for you to come and fill so that we can be a witness. We become the gloves on your hand, oh God, 
that all we do is we move with the one who is the great orchestra, the, the author and the finisher. I'm so glad you're the author and the finisher. You began it and you finished this thing. When you hung there and you said it is finished, there was no second guessing. You finished this thing. And we're grateful now, Holy Spirit. Come and have your way. Lord, we rededicate our lives to you this morning. We thank you for it. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, I, I got a call from our leader in Nepal and India, and you, if you have received one of the Christmas cards from Nepal, you can, you can actually smell Nepal. <laughs> he sent 250 cards. He said, please, Pastor Prem, said, please tell all of the family, thank you so much. Pastor Brendigo from India, they got all their gifts. They had taken all the children out, and they got their $10 for Christmas, and and um, we just are so grateful. So this is your Happy New Year, little calendar, little picture of Pastor Prem and his wife. And so, and all the prayer points, yes, it's just expansion. You know, I was, uh, I'll probably preach this next week. We have so many of our folks that are just coming back from the conference. They were up very late the last few nights. And um, so I want to share next week. But I was putting together 2016 in the rearview mirror. And I'll just share that uh, I opened my journal from December of last year, and I was thanking God and overwhelming gladness of the 25 churches he planted yet last year between Nepal and India and the mission base in Mozambique and the Costa Rica church. And, and then I was thanking him for the property that was given to Costa Rica and the expansion of the building there. And, but then I realized the Lord planted 45 churches this year on top of the 25, and it's like, God, there, from the ashes of the earthquake of Nepal, the watering of the blood, those who died in that, the landslides who didn't know that morning. When they went to church, they had no idea, April 25th, 2015, that, that would be the day that the, their natural life here would end, and they were ushered into the presence now the Lord has done greater than we would have ever thought, exceedingly and abundantly above. And how many new believers, Hindus, atheists, those who worship the animals have come and they know Jesus as Lord and Savior. And I thank you, and, they, and our leaders thank you for all that you have done in your prayers, your offerings, your giving of tithes and offerings. The things we did with Boots on the ground and the outreach, the, the prison ministry, the jail ministries, the baptisms in the tent, the L.A. tent uh, movement, Love Dayton, Ohio, the hundreds that were ministered. We, went to every, we knocked on every house door in the city limits of Dayton, Ohio. Drug addicts, crack cocaine prostitutes touched. The food pantry, the hundreds that came and received Lifeline pregnancy, the babies that was spared because you put money in a little baby bottle and Cynthia Dare took it and her people prayed and the mamas came and scared and afraid because of an unwanted pregnancy and they left encouraged and helped, hoped. How do we thank God for all that he's doing? So grateful that this God is, he knows our name. He was gonna whisper secrets. In one of the lyrics of the song, he tells us the secrets. I heard this morning in our intercessory prayer before the service that, where Jesus said, I no longer call you servants, I call you my friends. To be known as the friends of God, there's, those are my friends at Global River. Those are my friends. Let that go deep in your spirit. Lord, we're so grateful. We thank you for the excitement of what you're gonna do and what you are doing. I don't know how to capture what's taken place in the last couple of days. We went to Dunn, North Carolina. Some of you may not know the history. There's... It's probably too long of a story to tell it all, but done 110 years ago, the, the 
we, we, the anniversary was this weekend where Cashwell and Crumpler came back from L.A. on a train, traveled back and began, met in a little house and then met in a tobacco barn in Dunn, North Carolina, two hours from here. And now uh, over 60 million Pentecostal holiness denominations have grown. We had the, the bishop leaders, the heads of two denominations who have broken from each other. Come, One from Oklahoma and the bishops from Falcon came together with us. Tonight. And the worship and the experience was, uh, it is beyond what I can understand in the natural. But yesterday an event happened that I believe is significant to us and the South that's going to take place. For those who prepare themselves, we were, there's a, a chief, Joseph and his wife, is it Laura? Laura Lynn. Uh, she's from the Cherokee tribe. Very, very uh, powerful leaders. In fact, he's leaving uh, this week. Several of the chiefs from different uh, uh, nations are leaving uh, from the United States, Native Americans, to meet with the Israeli government positioning for what's going to begin in Israel this year. And uh, this was one of these crazy things that happens. You know, God, we, we, you, you come together, you never know how it's going to work out. God just moved mightily. We had our worship leaders there, and Zach played um, bass, and anyway, or maybe the electric, I can't tell you what it was. It was good. <laughs> and uh, to see all of our team there. Anyway, what happened was, we decided, Lou Engel, who has led up the call, for the last 16 years, he's led a, a prayer and fasting movement in the call to end abortion, to gather. He was the one that heard the word of the Lord to bring all 70,000 together in the L.A. stadium last, uh, was that April? We went to L.A. There was like 120 of us came from the Carolinas, and 70,000 came together. Many of you probably saw that. Lou Engel has had this stirring in his heart um, and then he read Pastor Mike's book, Igniting the Carolinas. And then he connected with us. We were telling him the stories at lunch yesterday of how God did these miraculous things in L.A., getting the permits for the tent, being at the Azusa site. So he said, well, I want to go to the place where the original tobacco barn was in Dunn, North Carolina. It had been lost for almost 100 years. They only found the site location um, recently. And there's a cornerstone marker that the historical society came and validated that this is the location of the original Azusa site when Cashwell and Bar um, G.B. Cashwell and uh, Crumpler came back from L.A. They started a series of meetings that just started this revival of the South. And so we go to this site yesterday, and of course... Lou Engel is at this place, he goes, there's something significant about North Carolina that you are at the forefront of what's coming. There is a great awakening coming in to the, across the globe. It's been prophesied, there's going to be a third great awakening, uh, probably a billion souls are going to come in. It could start this year, next year, I, you know, we don't know, but we are, we are positioned. And many of us who lived in the 60s, I remember the riots in the streets in the 60s, the race riots. I remember the sit-in. I was in a military school. Some of you weren't even born yet. But what's been positioned now, everything that's going on right now looks to mirror similarly what the unrest of the Vietnam War and the, the riots of the 60s. And now positioned and ushered in the great movement of the Jesus movement, which ushered, we got saved in 1975 during the Jesus movement. How many got saved in the Jesus movement? Raise your hands if you were in the 70s, children of the 70s, okay. There was this move that happened. It overshadowed a lot of the turmoil. We're in the same position right now. The riots that happened in Charlotte and all the unrest and everything that Lisa shared when the opening of the meeting this morning, that God is in charge. Pastor Willie shared it. Remember that thing that says, in Habakkuk chapter 1, it says, look, I'm doing a new thing in your season. There's a season of the Lord. I shared this last week. We're in seasons. He likes places and he likes seasons. So Lou Engel says, look, you guys in the Carolinas, we're going to take 2017, the year 2017, and ask your people, pastors, ask your people to prepare their hearts like they've never done before. God is going to usher in, and he says, we're going to meet together as a group of believers. 
our plan should the Lord tarry, in Panther Stadium in 2018. And it's going to kick off, he believes, going to be a, a catalyst or part of this move of the great move of God that's going to come. And it's going to start in the south, and the south is going to be overtaken by the Lord. That was a prophetic word, and I can give you many, many prophetic words that that's coming. Bob Jones, in fact, Pastor Michael Thornton, he's so awesome. He shared uh, the other night, he pulled out some of the great general statements, Smith Wigglesworth, John G. Lake, Crumpler himself, and laid out, and I'm going to get him to share that with us, these men who were in that great move of God back then, 110 years ago, they said there's a move coming that will overshadow, the Holy Spirit will fall in such a way it will pale in comparison everything that we've ever witnessed. And these guys positioned themselves believing that that was going to come in our day. And so I'm excited. So here we go. We, Lou Engel says, you guys in the Carolinas, you, you excite me. You know, he's, he's, he, it was wild. There was an impartation that took place for Mike and myself and, and Mike Hogan and Jonathan. And there was a breakout of things happening Rabner Suarez, we were a pile of just impartation. We got up off that, and Lou says, I want to go to the original site. So we pack up about four or five cars, and we go to the, there's a, a church on the site location now. We have Chief Joseph and his wife, Lou Engel, and we meet the pastor, an African-American pastor who is now pastoring that church the last few months. Her name happens to be Cashwell. She goes, I read your book, Mike, and do you think there's something significant about that? And we're like, and I don't know, we've got to research this. Her associate pastor is named Taylor, who is also one of those who walked with Cashwell. Now, they happen to live, remember Rich Thornton's, Mike's dad, lived in Dunn, a block from where we set the tent up in May. And his grandma used to, prophesies, says, let raise up one of my descendants that will bring the revival. It's possible there's a relationship. <laughs> and so it gets better. So we're, we're praying, and we go back. You got the church site. There's a cornerstone in the back of the property, right on the edge, where the historical society says, this is where the tobacco barn was. This is where the revival, it was a three-story tobacco barn, and the blacks, the whites, the Indians, unprecedented, came together in revival, exploded the South. So we're at the cornerstone, and the Indian chief's wife says she becomes overcome. They had preached the night before out of Isaiah 11 about the seven, in Revelation 5, where it talks about the seven spirits of God. I don't have time to unpack this right now. But there at the cornerstone, underneath the shadow, are seven cedars, seven cedar trees. Right across them as a single tree, a larger one, another cedar. She goes, do you see what's here? The cedars and what it means in the native culture about the Spirit of God. She goes, this is very significant right now. We're at the cornerstone of where the revival was allowed to be poured out. We're at this place, and the seven spirits of God and the presence of God. And so she said, it's very important. We did a, a physical act. We got on our knees, and we asked the Lord to unlock, put the sound in the ground to unlock this well. And we were moved. The pastor that was there encouraged us. Then we went into the church, and we're holding hands. And Lou said, I think we're supposed to pray right now. And we started praying, and Chief Joseph got up. Word of knowledge. I want you to open to this, if you will. He said, Ezekiel 40. Ezekiel 40. And verse 24. Realize this is all random. We're just in the presence of God praying. We have the man who's devoted much of his life in prayer and fasting to see the revival come, who's there and asks us to pray. We're there with the Native American leaders, the African Americans who very likely her name was given to her by her slave owner. Blacks, whites, Native Americans, revivalists, crying out for God. Set aside the weekend to ignite Dunn, ignite Azusa East.
and we're at the place of the presence. And the word comes out, verse 24, Ezekiel 40, 24. Let me read King James first. It says, after that, he brought me towards the south, and behold, a gate towards the south, and he measured the posts thereof and the arches thereof according to these measures. Goes on in verse 26, the seven steps. Verse 27, the gate of the inner court. Verse 28, he brought me to the inner court. The New Living Translation, the Thought for Thought Translation, says this is the gateway of the south. Verse 20 says, then the man took me around to the south gateway, and he measured the various parts. So I was reading this this morning and praying into it. Look at verse 1. On April 28th, during the 25th year of captivity, 14 years after the fall of Jerusalem, the Lord took hold of me in a vision from God. He took me to the land of Israel, set me down on a very high mountain, and from there I could see towards the south and appeared to me a city, and he brought me nearer, and I saw a man whose face shone like the bronze standing in the gateway of the entrance. I believe that's significant. We all heard that this is a gateway time. This is a gateway season. There are Kairos moments. You can miss it. We can miss it. Or we can be in that position. Just like the shepherds were told of the baby that was born. There was a Kairos moment. They had an opportunity. They could have stayed home and stayed with the, the sheep on the or Let's go and see what the Lord has done. And I just believe that this year, 2017, is a positioning year. I'm asking you to join me in a fast with me. I don't know if you've ever fasted before. You, you do whatever the Lord, but if you'll turn over your sermon outline, I've, I've asked, I kicked this off last week, I asked those who are here for Christmas Day, if you join in us, give us some time, the preparation, but beginning tomorrow, I'm calling a Joel Tool corporate fast. We're gonna go for 40 days. You ask God what it is that you would fast. Some are fasting media. Some are gonna take a whole hour of prayer and intercession for a day. Some are doing food. Some are doing all forms of the food fast. The point is consecration, emptying of ourselves. And I believe the Lord's gonna do something here. If we will look at the four, what I call corners of this. If we will host his presence, if we will host the presence of God, we will be conscious in our daily, everyday routine of the presence. Then I believe the Lord is going to expand the kingdom. And he's going to give himself glory. And he's going to build a community of believers that are positioned. My role, my responsibility is to be a catalyst both to myself and to the body here that we get positioned. I'm responsible for your covering. You're responsible to follow what the Lord tells you to do and get positioned to get ready to be positioned for what is coming. So I'm excited about we'll enter into this time of prayer and fasting. We're going to gather together. There'll be some prayer meetings set up. There's already ones that take place. Uh, the one that meets during the week. What time do you guys meet in that Spanish building? Monday, 6.30 to 7.30-ish before work. 6.30 to Mondays, mornings, if you're headed to work or just are up early. Spanish building at 6.30 is our intercessory prayer here uh, from 9 o'clock to 10.30 on Wednesday mornings. And then, Neil, you have prayer too, is right? From what time to what time? 6 to 8, Monday through Friday or 7? Seven days a week at Seagate on Oleander. So there's just opportunities, and there, there are more others that we could enter into. Uh, this place of positioning our hearts. I just believe that um, if we will seek him like we've never seeked him before, not by works, but by heart, God's going to do something really, really, really special. Really, really, really special. So turn over your outline. I want to share just a, a few things that I believe the Lord would have us kind of mold together with. I love that Pastor Willie's going to read Psalm 15 every, every Sunday. 
Hallelujah. Well, when you look at that psalm and you look at um, several of the scriptures that I've called out there in concert, if you would turn with me to um, Hosea chapter 6. After the book of Daniel, go right before the book of Joel. It's interesting, between the great prophet and the one who called out the outpouring in Joel, you have this Hosea, which is a really interesting book. It's all about Israel's rebellion, walking away, going after idols. But aren't you glad that God is a God of covenant? (laughs) God is a God of covenant. Even though we may break covenant, mess up, he doesn't. He remembers covenant. As he said, that's why you've never been destroyed at this point, right? Because I'm still a God of covenant. But I love the restoration part of this. In chapter 6, where it says it's, a, it's titled, the New Living Translation titles it a call to repentance. Are you there? Hosea 6.1. Come and let us return to the Lord. King James says, Come and let us return to the Lord. <laughs> the exact translation, thought for thought, and the exact wording is like, we've been torn apart or we've been caused to be disciplined, but he will heal us. He's allowed us to be injured in the process, but now he will bandage our wounds. Verse 2, in a short time, he will restore us so that we may live in his presence. Oh, that we might know the Lord. Let us. See the plurality of that? Let us press on to know him. He will respond to us as surely as the arrival of dawn or the coming of the rains in the early spring. So I believe the theme this year for the church, which will be a subset of Psalm 15, will be a subset of Psalm 24, which is, Hosea, I titled the whole message. Just look at the title. Hosea 6.3. Oh, let that we might, the Lord, that we might know the Lord. Let us press on. See, there's a we and there's a choice. We might, we might be able to press into the Lord, to know him. What happens when you know the Lord? Come on. Was your life impacted when you gave your life to the Lord? Sometimes, you know, I love those that go from zero to 60, like Pastor Willie says, I just stopped sinning or stopped messing like I was messing, right? Some of us, it was like, it was it dragged along, right? I made the commitment like, yeah, and then one foot in, one foot out, and backslide. This. For, you know, the, the years I worked for GE, was, my wife will tell you, it was, there were not times of pretty things there. But the Lord used that. But my life was different. Our lives were different, right? When we know the Lord, something changes. When the Lord, what if the Lord walks in the room right now in such a manifest presence where the overwhelming presence of God, like Isaiah spoke of, that the train fills the temple, right? What would happen? There would be no sickness. There would be 100% healing in this room. Every ailment, every circumstance would be healed. In the presence of God, there is no sickness or disease. So if he manifested this room, so what's holding it back? It's not him. Isaiah 61, I like what Lisa, that was prophesied over this body by Leif Hetland many times. It's been prophesied that the, the brokenness, those that were broken, you read it. Jesus, when he opened up the scroll in Luke and said, this is, the, this is now fulfilled in your ears, he kicked off his ministry with that same prophetic word. That's why we're into house of mercy and overseas and jail ministries, the broken, the halfway houses. Why? Because we're all broken. (laughs) We all got baggage. But when the presence of the Lord comes, everything changes. I had a moment this week. Lord, you know, what is it? What is it? Why do we want revival? You know, revivals are messy. People get offended in revivals. Right? They're messy. You know what shut down the revival and done? Was racism. The Indians and the blacks can't enter into this thing. What? And it's shut down. Well, now we're positioned. We were worshiping with everyone there. 
on the worship team, in the dance, in the prayers, every commingling of God. This is God's heart. It's, it's in his presence. I had this moment this week we had, I'm so glad that my son-in-law Juan and my daughter Laura, they moved from California this week. They're here with the two boys and a little girl that's on the way. Hallelujah. And so, so we invite, the cousins have, you know, they love to get, so I got all these grandkids, right? So Ginny invites them over, Laura picks them up. We have Isaiah, who's seven, right? Isaiah seven or eight? He's eight. Isaiah, named after the prophet, right? We have Gabriel, who's one in four months, 15 months. Gabriel is named after Gabriel uh, in the Bible. We had um, Elijah, who's six, almost six. Elijah, who's named after Elijah, right? And Jensen, who's named after Franklin Jensen, who's man of God, pastor. And yeah, we've been to his church and it just moved my daughter-in-law there. And, and then we had Ginny, myself, and Laura, and Juan was still driving across country with the rat, 10 rabbits and a dog. And, uh, and my granddaughter, uh, Ariana, were there. So I just had this sense. This is one of these moments where I can seize the dome. So I turned to my oldest grandson, Isaiah, who's eight. I turned to all of the grandsons. I said, you are men of valor. Now you're to pray and you're to ask God. We want to thank God before we eat right now. Great spaghetti and meatballs, but we're going to pray right now. I said, because I'm not always going to be here. You're the next generation of the men of valor. And Isaiah looked at me. He said, Papa, I don't want you to be gone. I said, you are the men of valor. Those men prayed. Those young men prayed. Little boys, eight, seven, six. They're the men of valor. They maybe look like Gideon right now, but they're not. And so there was this moment. Why are we after revival? Why are we after the presence? Because in my spirit, man, if God will come in his presence, he will save this generation. In one moment, he will fix everything that needs to get fixed. So if that doesn't capture your heart, just think about your loved ones, the ones that have wandered away, the broken places of our own hearts. When revival comes, it's messy. It'll cost us a lot. It'll cost us time and energy and relational bounds and all the things that are going. But if God is in the midst of it, he'll save a generation. How many millions upon millions because a crumple in a cash well. When I heard the story of G.B. Cashwell, his wife pregnant, they, they, they didn't know if she would even survive before he was going to take the train. They had no money. A one-way ticket because Seymour was out there, the one-eyed blind man who was calling in the presence of God who for one year prayed. And another white man prayed with him. And they picked up the presence of God and they brought it back to Dunn, North Carolina. And now, well over 60 million currently today, Pentecostal holiness. How many families upon families of 100 years have been impacted by that revival? If you don't get revival in your bones, I pray that it just, Lord, do it for the generation that's in front of us right now. Come on, Lord, do it in such a way that we get it, we pull on heaven. We ask you, Lord, there's been prophetic word after prophetic word. In Amos 3, you said, you do nothing that you don't reveal it. First to the prophets, and he's revealed it to the prophets. So why not now? Why not with us? Why not in this generation? And why not here? Come on. Come on. Come on. Let it happen with us, oh God. He can do this thing, but he's just looking for hungry hearts if we'll position ourselves. So let this fast. You ask Holy Ghost tomorrow, is it, do I get up an hour early with you? Do I stay up an hour later? Do I do something with food? Do I turn off the TV? Do I, what do I, what, how do I connect in such a way, God, that I get your presence in a new way? Behold, I want to do something new in your day. If we'll let him, his presence will come. When we look at these scriptures and we 
Oh, that we might know him and press on. Turn with me to his, from Exodus. This is from the beginning of the book to the back of the book. But look at Exodus 33. How important is this knowing of the Lord? This is not knowledge. You can take the Bible quiz about all the facts. This has nothing to do with the facts. Those are good. They're important. They tell the story. But you and I right now are in the storyline of God. We are in his storyline. You have been written into the storyline of God. God is timeless. What he was doing 110 years ago, he's going to finish this. I believe that Mike Thornton, the connection, sovereign connection that Mike and I had and are now, that he has been written into the storyline. You know my heart. If you've been here for the last night, almost 18 and a half years, signs and wonders, revival, go to the missions, bring the presence of God. That's been my heart. That's the reason I left General Electric and forsake all the worldliness because I want to be gathered around a people and I want to live in a city where God is in revival. That's my cry of my heart. The Lord told you this for years. That's why God says, well, we'll bring a connection. I believe Mike Thornton has the mantle through the bloodline. He's related to this revivalist that God is still writing the story. Amen. You're in the storyline. We're going to finish. God's 110 years. That's like, that was just yesterday. You all see this as lifetimes. That's just one of the dots on my storyline. I'm just looking for a people who will overcome their racism, their self-centeredness, their sin, the unforgiveness and the backbiting bitterness who will center themselves in the presence. I'm just looking for a people, that's what he's looking for, that will come and they will say yes and they'll put their sacrifice in. Body, soul, spirit, we're in. I want to be in the storyline. God says, okay, here it comes. He positions Israel. I'm telling you, he's in charge. He's positioned Israel and the timing of Israel and the relationship with the United States. He's positioned this election. He, is, he has set this beautiful stage. If we'll position ourselves, it's an individual thing. Romans 12. Do not be conformed to this world. Do not be conformed to this world. But be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you might know the perfect plan and will of God. Letting him change the way you think. And if you do this, if, if, he will show you his perfect plan and will for your life in the storyline. Come on. God, I, I'm so excited. I'm so like positioned to see what you want to see. We have been so blessed. Two weeks ago, I was in Florida with Jack Taylor and guys like R.T. Kendall and Charles Curran and Leif Hetland. And I think of Heidi Baker and Bill Johnson and Randy Clark, these generals who have sown. Leif traveled, I think it was 264 days last year. Men who have sown their wives, women and men who have sown their lives. But we're not there yet. When I hear what came out of the revival 110 years ago, these missionaries who got filled and been powered by the Holy Ghost they went to the nations, and I heard, I've heard the stories. I was having breakfast yesterday with a pastor from Bergal. was crying, says, have you read the story, the, the rest of the story, the, the storyline behind the rest of Azusa? The untold stories of Azusa, A to Z, USA. It has a meaningful name in, in the Indian language. It says, if you look at the rest of the untold stories, these were missionaries who got baptized in the Holy Ghost and they went to nations like Africa. John G. Lake buried his family in Africa. They sent their caskets ahead because they felt they would never come home again. 
We haven't even touched this. Mike preached this message the other night. It's racked me as well. What we think we have, what if it's not what we have? What if there's more? What if there's more to the Holy Ghost than we think we have? Oh, we're, we're baptized in the Holy Ghost. We're going to get, no, there's more. You read, we'll share these prophetic words from John G. Lake and Smith Wigglesworth and Bob Jones. There's a revival. There's a baptism of fire that is coming that will be untold. A billion souls will come into the kingdom. It's going to position. The question is, where will he pour those places out? I don't know why he's privileged us in all the connections of the streams. I have no idea. All I know is, yes, God. Yes, God. We're here and we say yes. Though maybe none go with us, we will go with you. I'm asking you to please spend time in the Holy Ghost. Ask him for fresh fire, fresh baptism, fresh anointing. That you and I would be positioned. Because what will happen if we come together, your stone, what does Peter call us? The stones, the, the, the priesthood fit together, the holy nation. You and I have stones and they're part of this presence of God. You carry the kingdom of God in you. And if that is enlivened and on fire, and you come together, and your stone connects with Marion, and with Laura, and with Ginny, and with all of the individuals that are here, what happens? His presence comes. If we dabble in pornography and sin and brokenness and lies and bitterness and unforgiveness, self-centeredness, you carry, I carry that spirit in here. And that defilement holds back God. Do we want to see the blind eyes open? Do we want to see the deaf hear? Do we want to see the lame walk? Do we want to see the children that are dying of cancer relief? Do you want it? Then we've got to get it positioned. This is not about works righteousness. This is about God. I believe there's a Kairos moment positioned to bring us to that place. It will be glorious. We will tell the story of his greatness that he would receive glory. We're not asking for Global River to be on a map or Tom Hauser or Mike. No, we're just one of the many faceless names of the storyline. That come together. I want you to make it personal. You look at your grandchildren or your friends or your brothers or your spouse or your coworker. What would happen if God brought a revival and those people got turned upside right? That ought to make it personal. When I looked around my kitchen table, to my grandsons, and I said, God, these are the men of valor. Raise up a generation of men named after your prophets Amen. who will glorify the great one. The enemy has battled for them in many ways. I can tell you the stories, the brokenness and the failures, the old things in my own life, but God heals the generational sins and brokenness. He says, I will bless to a thousand generations, Exodus 5. The sins of the fathers may visit to the third and fourth generation, but I will bless to a thousand generations, those who love me. Come on. Make it personal. Please, hear my heart on this. I want us to, this can't be just another year of resolutions. I'll lose weight, I'll get in shape. I'll, no! Yes, but No! It'll be a byproduct of the fast. But it is not the reason for the fast. Because that's pride-spaced. That's self-centered. Oh, Lord, that we might know the Lord and press on to know him. There in Exodus 33, what did Moses say? There's a whole lot of stuff going on. There's lightnings and crashing and the earth is shaking and Israel has messed it up. Even the high priest had messed it up. 
And they said, Moses, you talk to God for us. We're afraid. What does the Lord enter into? Exodus 30, verse 12. One day, Moses said to the Lord, you have been telling me that these people, take these people to the promised land. But you haven't told me whom you will send with me. You haven't told me. I know you by name. And I look favorably on you. See, that's why it was so significant. I call you my friends at Global River. Come on. That's crazy. Friends of God. Moses says, you haven't told me who you're sending, and you haven't told me you're going to look with favor, and you haven't said you know my name. If it is true that you look with favor on me, let me know your ways. Not your acts, not your healing, not your money, not your prosperity, not the big car. No. Moses says, if you've shown me favor, then let me know how you operate. How, what, are your, what are your ways? What are your secrets? That's as big as Solomon when he was asked, what do you want? I'll give you anything you want. He said, give me wisdom so I can lead the people. Since you've asked for that, I'll give you everything else as well. Let me know your ways. Verse 14, the Lord replies, I will personally go with you, Moses, and I'll give you rest. Moses said, if you don't personally go, don't make us leave this place. How will anyone ever know that you look favorably on me and your people if you don't go with us for your presence. See, if he sends us revival and we don't know his ways and we don't know his presence and we're not his friends, we will mess this up and it'll be awful. But if we know his ways, if he would show us his favor, then the whole world will know that God has been among us. That presence will set his people and me apart from all other people on the earth. I will look favorably on you. I know you by name. Just close your eyes. The Lord knows you by your name. He created you. He created you. He knows your DNA. Your DNA sings a song to him in the night. It's not a mistake. You're not some thing where your mother and father got together. God is the giver of life. All children are a blessing unto the Lord. They are a gift from God. No matter how you got here, he knows your name. This favor, Moses, he says, when I do this, look at this. He says, in verse 18, Moses responds, then show me your glorious presence. Why is that so important? Show me your presence. If you know my name, if you're going to go with us, show me your presence. There's something powerful there. But then the Lord goes on and answers. It says, okay. Verse 19, the Lord replies, I will make my goodness pass before you, and I will call out my name, Yahweh, the I Am. See, when his presence, when we seek his presence, when we become known by him, he says, I will just let my glorious goodness pass before you. But he does it in such a protecting way. He says, you know, I can't show you all. So what does he do? He hides Moses in the cleft because he says, I'll show you mercy to anyone I choose. I'll show compassion to anyone I choose. But you can't look directly in my face. Even though later he says, I've, I've, I've talked with Moses face to face. At this point, he says, I can't, I'm going to show you so much of my goodness and my glory. It, it may kill you. As my glorious presence passes by, I will hide you in the crevice of the rock, and I will cover you with my hand until I have passed by. And then I will remove my hand and let you see me from behind, but my face will not be seen. There's something about the presence. 
Would you come back week after week prepared in the presence? The next 40 days are going to be significant. I'm prophesying to you right now, if you will grab hold of this thing, you're going to see things shift in ways that you have been praying in your families maybe for years and years. There's going to be a shift. There's going to be a favor. There's going to be a glorious presence. This is not all we fast and we get. No, this is because we have one single point. We're after your presence, God. We want to know your presence because your presence will fix everything that's broken in here. It'll rewire this crazy thought life. It'll cause me to walk in a place that I've not been able to walk before. And that atmosphere, there are places where people come together in atmosphere shift. This city of Wilmington, we've been praying. We've been moving. Boots on the ground. Marches. Reverse the curse. Connections. We are in a place where God is going to do exceedingly and abundantly above all we'd ever thought or asked. It is going to amaze us. God, don't pass us by. Don't hurt us. Don't give us too much that we can't hide us in the crevice, Lord. But you know the desire of our heart. You know the legacy of those that will be affected. Whether you tarry or whether you come back tomorrow in fullness, we want to be in the storyline. This is not just a regular year. Hear me now. This is not a regular year. The Lord has done some purging. There are people that have died not knowing why. Why did Kim Clement die? And why, why did our friends die? Why did my brother? I, I don't know. But there's a cloud of witnesses right now. The, the scale in heaven. Even though there's more believers on this side of the scale in earth than there ever was. But in the last hundred years of that revival that took place and done. There are more people that have been saved, born again in the last hundred years than all the 2,000 years preceding. Get a hold of that. Is revival important? It is. Now, if you're not fired up about revival, I'm asking God to light a fire on you. Let the Holy Ghost come. And what we think we have there's a lot more. And I'm praying the team that's coming back from done next week, God, you're just going to, I don't know what you're going to do, but I'm just praying, Lord, be positioned as we'll be a week in the fast. Well, let me land this thing. I'm already late. Praise God. Let me just call your attention. The rest of the outline, Pastor Willie shared it, Matthew 6, 33 if you'll seek first the kingdom of God and righteousness. Let me talk, there's a lot of people talking about justice. We gotta have justice. There is no justice without righteousness. There is none. And there is no justice without forgiveness. Cry out for righteousness. It's that, I'll just leave that there. We shared last week what is the kingdom of God that we're after. It's listed there in Romans 14, 17. It's righteousness, and the byproduct is peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So I'm asking the Lord as we start this, that our right thinking and our right behaviors will be part of that joy that comes when you're walking with the Lord and you know you're doing what he's called you to do, regardless of the battlefield that you're in, there'll be peace and joy. Psalm 24, would you meditate on that? I'd like you to give you a homework assignment. I'd like you to meditate on Psalm 24, and I'd like you to meditate on Ezekiel 40. Psalm 24 is that who can ascend the hill. Pastor Willie, it's the same in, in, in Psalm 15 to Pastor Willie. Who can ascend the hill? It's the righteous, it's the ones that have clean hands, pure heart. See, righteousness will add everything you need if you seek the kingdom in the midst of your righteous desire with him. Everything you want, everything, everything, everything you've been praying for is rooted and grounded in his righteousness and seeking him. See the king 
and everything you need. The king has no paupers for children. Now, he does have prodigals. And we want to see the kingdom expand, and he want, we want him to see the glory and receive the glory. And then, let me just end this. Turn with me to Acts 2. We'll end on this scripture. Acts 2.42. No, it's not the joke with the lady with the handgun and the axe. Even though that's probably... A good application. <laughs> Are you there? Acts chapter 2. We're going to do this today. At the end of the service, you're all invited to a meal. It was announced the last few three weeks. We're going to have a dish to pass over in the great room. Our hospitality team has worked today to set it up. So um, if you didn't bring a dish to pass, don't worry. Come. We're going to see if the Lord will multiply it. Pat came to me and said, there's only four dishes here. I said, Pat, go do what you got to do. So, Pat, please, now we've gotten bought food. So, please come. <laughs> please come. This is part of Acts 2.42, building the community. If you look at what happened after the Holy Spirit fell, the immediate thing that happened after the Holy Spirit fell in the Pentecost of Acts chapter 2, the Lord started adding to the kingdom. They received the gift of the Holy Spirit. In verse 38, right, Peter says this was what Joel said. And in verse 42, here's the byproduct or the outcome of what happens when people start moving in the Spirit. All the believers devoted themselves to apostolic teaching and to the fellowship and to the sharing of meals. The Lord's Supper included prayer. A deep sense of awe came over all of them, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. Why? Because there was unity. He commands a blessing, right? Psalm 133 commands a blessing when brethren dwell together in unity, not in bipartisan, backbiting, unforgiveness, bitterness, resentments, justification, none of that. It doesn't work there. He says if they'll come together in fellowship and in unity, submitted in prayer, and in the Lord's Supper, the believers will see awesome, miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers will meet together in one place and share with Ahad. They sold property, possessions, shared money that gave to those in need. They worshiped together in the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, shared their meals with great joy and generosity all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Lord, I'm asking for an Acts chapter 2, 42, outpouring. Let's start today. Come and join us for lunch. You may have other plans. I recognize that. Just come together. Be in fellowship. We'll be off this Wednesday, but we're going to kick back in next Monday at the men's group. The ladies' group has got to kick off, and then the following Wednesday, God is good. If we will co-mingle, listen to me now carefully. If you will co-mingle the desire to, in the presence of God, in the fasting of self, to come into this place, and you will get focused on the goodness of God, you will be different. I'm telling you, you will be different. Things will shift. God has put this all together. I just know it in my, not by our great plans, it's by his leading. So let's stand. I'm going to ask ministry team if you'll please come. If you're here this morning and you just want to rededicate your life. I'm going to ask the ministry team if you'll grab hands across the front. If you would grab hands across the congregation, I know it's maybe a little uncomfortable. Just there's something about in agreement together, as touching, it shall be done for them. So, Lord, we just come into agreement now with your word, and I, I feel like we're in the midst of an amazing story that is yet still to be told of the glory of the presence, of the miracles that you're going to do in the families this year, the prodigals that have walked away, those who have battled addictions and been in immorality, living in places they shouldn't go, you're going to bring them in to this revelation of your kingdom because there's a loved one or a friend that's been praying and interceding. And those prayers have gone to the throne room. And they're in the court of heaven right now. 
And you're going to bring justice to those. The bowls are going to be poured out as the incense flows from the throne room of God. And the river of God, the Ezekiel 47, was going to flow, and we're not going to see ankles and knees. We're going to get a river that's going to go in such places of the world. When we thought that 25 and 45 churches birthed in nations, no, we're going to see amazing moves of God. We're going to hear the stories of the children praying for the dead that are going to be raised, the blind eyes that are going to be opened, and we're going to see the fulfillment of the prophecy that Derek Prince prophesied that there's going to be a revival greater than the Welsh revival, and the kings and the queens of the earth are going to study this phenomenon. A Spanish girl came to me on Christmas Eve. Elizabeth, she said, Pastor, something is going on. There's going to be a signs and wonders this year that we've never seen before, and the only way it's going to ever be explained is by God. Just like the rest of the story, the untold stories of what happened out of Azusa, children prayed and arms grew out. You can't explain that but by God. Lord, let your presence come, God. Position this body, God. Bring us into a place where we willingly serve you. Come, Holy Spirit, and move like you've never moved before upon us. Forgive us for all the things we've messed up. Let your blood move powerfully, royally into your families here. In your name, Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Come on.